But Jesus seems like an odd person sometimes, doesn't he? I mean, besides the fact he's incomprehensible, true God and true man at the same time, his, be- his behavior is downright confusing at times. I know you agree with me on this. You've heard this text from Matthew many times and wondered why. Why does Jesus act in this strange way? I'll tell you, the world we live in today is odd enough. Our elected officials from the chief executive on down baffle us with their behavior. A solution to terrorists running people over with delivery vans seem to be beyond anyone's reach. And isn't it just a bit head-scratching that after decades and generations of brainwashing in our schools to make people more kind to each other and not notice their differences, we still have racism. All some people need is just a little scratch and it's there under the surface ready to rear its ugly head so much for Dr. Seuss and Sesame Street huh fun stuff we grew up on and passed down to our kids but the message doesn't seem to be getting through books TV shows and lessons on diversity and tolerance can suppress the urge to be mean to others but they can't overcome sin in the world We come here to church to find a a place of peace and rest, to withdraw from it all for an hour and a half or so. And yet, here we are confronted with our Lord behaving oddly. The one who says he came to bring peace and love and forgiveness and rest ignores a woman in need. And then says, says something like a riddle to her. On top of that, you have the disciples pleading with Jesus to heal the daughter quickly not because they care about, the, care about her like we Christians are supposed to care about everybody, but because they just want to get rid of this screaming woman. Our gospel text today doesn't really seem like a picture of Christian love, does it? It's an odd little scene in the larger picture of Jesus' ministry while he was walking among us. And it begs the question, Now that Jesus walks among us in word, sacrament, and spirit, is this the way he deals with you and me? Does he listen to some people and ignore others? Does he speak to us in riddles? Let me share with you how this works in my life. God has called me to be a husband and a father. That means he's not going to call me to something that ruins my ability to love and care for my wife and children. I had a great career going in the Air Force. 20 years, and I could have kept going to 30. I was being groomed by my bosses for promotion to the next rank, which would have given me more importance and more responsibility, more respect, more money, and even my own parking spot at the office. Along with all of that would have come more travel away from home, longer work hours, extracurricular activities in the evenings and on weekends like community volunteering and completing my college degree. Not to say that that stuff's bad, but when you're just starting a family like I was, I mean, most of my colleagues my age had gotten married in their late teens, early 20s, and their kids were already in high school. Perhaps their marriage could weather all that extra duty, but when your kids are in their terrible twos, the last thing any wife wants is an absentee husband. So Jill and I talked about it and prayed, God help me focus on my calling to be husband and father 
and servant in your kingdom. And here I am now serving you. But let me tell you, as your pastor, I could do more, work longer hours, and be away from home more than I ever could have in the Air Force. But thankfully, God through you has given me a protective boundary, my call, which focuses me to do specific, narrowly defined things in this ministry. And I tell you that because I believe that's one of the reasons Jesus behaves so oddly in the Scripture. Matthew, Luke, John, and especially Mark are witnesses to Jesus carrying out specific, narrowly defined ministry. He didn't try to do everything for everybody all at once. He poured himself out for people. He gave up his own life for people, but within the limits of the calling his Father had given him. He focused. Now the comparison I just set up for you falls apart when it comes to one's own strength and ability. You know, I can't do everything for everyone by nature of my humanity. Jesus can do everything for, ev- for everyone just with a word by nature of his divinity. At the same time, Jesus is a true human being and so he has boundaries too. He has limits. He's somewhat of an introvert. He withdraws from people for a time to recharge and get away from the crowds. He needs to eat. He gets irritated with people. He gets irritated with their lack of understanding. He gets angry at people's lack of reverence to holy things. He tells people to go away. He doesn't always do what people want when they want. Our God is odd sometimes when you think about it, isn't he? We've been taught so emphatically that we just assume that Jesus is this soft-spoken, super-kind-to-everyone, Mr. Rogers-like persona. But it's on Sundays like these when our text for the day confronts us with, with Jesus the man and Jesus as Lord. A Jesus we don't always know what to do with. I mean, how do we handle a Lord and God who ignores a poor, distressed woman in need? and then grants her request only after this bizarre little exchange of parables. As if she had to pass some, some kind of test of words before Jesus would heal her daughter. Is this what we have to do when we want Jesus to do something for us? Well, if we want to be faithful to God's word, then it would appear it's not entirely up to us to conform the Son of God and the Son of Man to our own expectations. The point of today is let him be who he is. Let him be the wonderful counselor. You know, when he takes children into his arms and blesses them. Let him be the good shepherd when he shows us the way, the door of heaven, which is himself. Let him be the great teacher of God's wisdom and knowledge. Let him be the prophet and comfort us with his promise of eternal life in heaven. Let him be the patient and constant forgiver of our sins a thousand times over when we fail to forgive others or ourselves even once. And yes, let him be this, the odd man who doesn't answer at first. Let him be the one who answers in confusing ways that are hard to understand. After all, 
He's still the one who died for you to save you from sin, death, and the devil. There's nothing contrary to that in the Bible. He's still the one who brought you to the waters of baptism and made you his own. No one can take that away from you. He's still the one who loves you and me and prepares a home for us to dwell with him in peace and perfect health forever. No one can stop that. You know, there's a pretty big event happening tomorrow. Have you heard? Is it going to be some kind of uh, um, uh, eclipse or something? I, I don't know. Maybe you've heard about it. It's big news because it's going to be visible, right? Or we hope it's visible, <laughs> that there won't be any clouds to block it, but you know what I mean, right? A total eclipse of the sun is a big deal because it's, it's something you can see with the naked eye. Oh, well, with the proper protection, of course, right? But huge happenings are not always visible in the spiritual realm. In her essay, Total Eclipse, Annie Dillard writes, The ring nebula in the constellation Lyra looks through binoculars like a smoke ring. It is a star in the process of exploding. Light from its explosion first reached the Earth in 1054. It was a supernova then, and so bright it shone in the daytime. Now it is not so bright, but it is still exploding. It expands at the rate of 70 million miles a day. It is interesting to look through binoculars at something expanding 70 million miles a day. It does not budge. Its apparent size does not increase. Photographs of the ring nebula take, taken 15 years ago seem identical to photographs of it taken yesterday. How often is it that this nebula resembles the process laid out for us today in our text from Matthew? Sometimes we ask and we ask and we pray and we cry and nothing seems to change. But that's only true from our perspective. If we could see from heaven's standpoint, we would know all that God is doing and intending to do in our lives. We would see God working in, in, hearts, in, in people's hearts in ways we cannot know and would see him orchestrating circumstances we know nothing about. We would see a galaxy of details being set in place for the moment when God brings the answer to fulfillment. From our earthly standpoint, though, which we are bound to for the moment, we'll contend with the odd things. But let's continue praying to God without ceasing, without hesitation, and with confidence that He hears us and answers us in His name. Amen.